magnify him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Is there anybody in the building that's living in that abundant life? Yes. Come on. Like David said, my cup, it runs over. You know, there's people that live a limited life. Hey, hallelujah. People that live limited lives, they live limited mentalities, paradigms, ideologies, theologies, and they can only have so much. But as Christians, we have a God that is overflowing in our lives. Well, why are you so happy? You should have a frown on your face. Don't you know what's happening in our world? Don't you know about this politician or this thing going on? And, and people are living under a limited paradigm. Their mind is locked down. Their life is locked, locked down. But I want to tell you that when you serve God, you have a different perspective. There might be all sorts of craziness going on out there, but on the inside of me, there is an overflow. Oh, somebody praise him. There is an abundance. I've got more than I need. I've got more than enough. Somebody lift up your voice and praise him. Hallelujah. 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 It is good to see everybody in the house of the Lord here tonight. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn open to the book of Mark chapter 3. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 3. And we're going to be getting in verse number 23. Hallelujah. What a eventful past few weeks we've been having around here. Hallelujah. And we're getting ready to gear up for the holiday season. And, and uh, I know that with that comes uh, all sorts of you know, family visits. Your mother-in-law shows up. Your outlaws show up. Whatever the case may be. Um, but it's going to be a good time. But let's remember that as we are entering into the holiday season, let's continue to remember the house of God and uh, continue to bring people to the house of God. Amen? You'd be shocked how many people that when they enter into this, this time of the year, they're not out on their boat fishing. Nothing wrong with fishing and all that. But uh, they, they, they got nothing else to do. So let's make an effort to bring people to the house of God. Amen? Hallelujah. God's been an open up doors and several new Bible studies just started another one last night and uh, God is reaching for people amen God is reaching for people hallelujah but as the church we've got to have our nets ready and we've got to be casting them on the side that God says somebody said hallelujah mark chapter 3 and verse 23 the Bible says and he called them unto him and said unto them in parables how can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand but hath an end. He said, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And I want to teach to us for a few moments with the help of the Holy Ghost, the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom. If you set down your Bibles and lift up your hands and let's pray all across this house. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody lift up your voice. We love you, Jesus. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We're believing you, God, that in this atmosphere and in this 
culture, God, that you are going to develop, amen, a united front, a united kingdom. Hallelujah, Lord, as it is in heaven, so let it be on earth and in your church. And we are giving you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let's clap our hands on the Lord as we are seated. Hallelujah. The United Kingdom. Our text here today is presented uh, in a moment when Jesus shows up and does what he does best. He begins to perform miracles, signs, and wonders. And one of the things that made Jesus famous of all of his miracle signs and wonders is that Jesus would cast out devils. Uh, and, and for those of you that are, are maybe new to the church or uh, maybe in your faith, uh, you might not be new to the church, but you just can't bring yourself to that, uh, that, that degree of belief that there is, in fact, demonic forces that are working in our world. I want to let you know that we are, in fact, in a battle Amen. And there really are demonic forces that are in opposition to God's kingdom in this earth. Amen. And uh, there's a lot of people who say, well, I've never seen anybody possessed of the devil. And uh, you just got to be around the church long enough. Amen. You just got to be around the world long enough. And you can start to encounter people that are, that are some are not full on possessed of the devil, but many people are afflicted of the devil. And, uh, and, and demon possession uh, is, is something that is, in fact, very true, very biblical. Uh, but we have an answer to all of that. Amen. The Bible says that these signs shall follow them that believe in his name. One of the very first things that God empowers a new believer to do is to cast out devils. And that might be sometimes it might be devil possession. Other times it might be the fact that God has given you power over all the demonic forces that you are facing in your life. You have the ability and the power through God and through faith to cast those things out of your life. Amen. And so it is there that, that a debate is sparked. And, and we could go off on all those little tangents there and talk about the theology and, and, and all of that. But, but suffice it to say, in that there is a debate that is, uh, that is striking up in the hearts of men. And they are trying to figure out, as they have many times, by what power and authority do you do what you are doing? And, and they want to know where he got his power from. And some would even venture to say that you, through the power of Beelzebub, or the Lord of the Flies, no, it's not a book. Hallelujah, it is a book, but it's not just a book. Amen. That was a title uh, for the devil. They're basically saying that you, through the power of Satan, are casting out devils. And Jesus hears what they're saying and uh, understands that, that this is really poor theology. And he begins to correct them. And he said, how can Satan cast out Satan? Uh, and, and, and there's a lot that's being revealed in here, but he says if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand. What he's doing is he's breaking down the logic of their argument. He's saying that why would Satan cast out Satan? Uh, that would defeat the very purpose of what he's come to do, and that is to own, that is to possess, that is to influence. And, and he's ultimately breaking it down to the point where they can understand that, that, 
that the demonic kingdom in our world is not a divided kingdom. If Satan were divided against himself, that kingdom would not stand. And there is something that Jesus is being taught, and I, I've got to talk about it for just a moment before we start talking about unity. Um, but, but there's something we've got to understand about the demonic realm. And uh, you all came to Demonology 101 here tonight. Uh, <laughs> but, but it is a biblical fact that, that the devil is not divided against himself. The devil is not divided against himself. In fact, if we were to look into Mark chapter 5, we would find that Jesus encounters a wild man of Gadara full of a legion of devils. I want you to notice that. There are thousands of devils inside of one individual. And they are not bickering. They are not fighting. They are not arguing one with another because they have come together with one unified purpose, and that is to destroy mankind. Can I tell you about your enemy, your adversary? He is regimented. There is a legion. There is someone in charge, someone in command. That, that, that the devil himself understands that I have got to have structure. I'm going to help somebody. Amen. That, that we see this through the Bible. That there is a demonic force and there is a demonic realm that has different positions. There is a legion, a legion heir, if you will. They are regimented down to the very little bit, but they all work towards one common goal. There is a unity amongst devils. They're all after one purpose, to destroy God in, this, in the best way they can, and that is destroy, amen, those that were created in the image of God, and to impede or to stop God's kingdom from coming on earth. Some would ask the question, well, man, it just seems, and I don't know if you've ever asked this question, but it look, I go across uh, the, the country and I've traveled and I think, man, how is it that every false religion happens to have uh, a big cathedral somewhere? Anybody ever ask that question? Man, what on earth? Every false religion, I'm talking about people that believe in UFOs. I won't go, I'm not going to mention the names of the religion, but they believe that they're going to go to a planet called Kalop. We ain't going to no planet. Hallelujah. We're going to get a new heaven and a new earth. That's a different story for a different time. But, uh, but there, are, there are religions that believe that Jesus and the devil are brothers. And they are, they are propagating this crazy ideology. There are people that believe that they heard from an angel and that Jesus showed up to America and revealed it to one guy in the middle of nowhere and only talk to him, and he's the only one that the revelation, and he wrote it, and he found some golden plates that we can't find today. And he's got a revelation from Jesus, and Jesus showed up strictly to him, and the angel Moroni, macaroni on golden plates, showed up to him. And they have taken this ideology. Uh, it sounds funny, doesn't it, really? If we were to break down some of these theologies, it would blow your mind how many dumb things people have bought into. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't plan on believing in a religion that's been around for less than 200 years. I, I really don't think that Jesus seems to think 
that that America was the promised land, and it was, hey, I love America, God bless America, but but that's not how the Bible views it, amen. America was never to be the promised land. It's not to be the new Jerusalem, amen. Uh, the whole heavens and the whole earth are going to pass away, and one day Jesus is coming back for his church, and we're going to be caught up together with him. Amen. There's some people that get this weird imperialistic mindset that Jesus is just, Jesus is American. He's not American. Man, there's religions that would believe that, and that's we love America. We're not saying anything against it. But, but in that, there's these weird religions and ideologies, and everywhere you go, they've got these, they've literally, there's some places you've been to, you know what I'm talking about. They've got golden statues. I'm talking about gold-plated statues on top of their buildings. That's a lot of money. And then you go and you find all these other different religions. They've got little kingdom halls everywhere. And they could be in rural nowhere and they've got a kingdom hall. You could go to the city of San Francisco, and you're going to find somebody. Uh, you know, the, the, the person that invented uh, the Church of Scientology, uh, he wrote a couple books. And, uh, and one, in, one of his, in one of his writings, he said, if you want to get rich, start a religion. And people, to this day, including actors, that's one of the reasons we don't follow Hollywood and all their mess. One of their actors, amen, they would look at it and say, this is the way. And they've got entire city blocks of New York, San Francisco, Chicago, and they own skyscrapers, and they own property, and they own lands. I'm getting to a point here. How is it that all of these false religions that maybe don't agree with one another are still propagating their false doctrine, false theology across the known world? I'll tell you why. They don't care what flavor of devil they are. They just know we're, we're fulfilling the same purpose. And this is how you can see it. The devil is working. He's operating. And he's operating under unity. I'll tell you right now, there's, it's time for the church to rise up in a spirit of unity. I'm telling you, it's time for the apostolic church to rise up and no longer be a divided kingdom that bickers and fights over every little thing. But it's time to say, if hell can fight like this, you better see what heaven can fight like. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. And so what we're seeing is, is often that, uh, unfortunately, the devil could be more unified than the people of God. And every false religion is proving that. But in spite of that, God will still have a church. In spite of human error and human flaws, God will still have a people on the earth. Don't ever let the size of some congregation fool you. There is false doctrine everywhere. Don't ever let the size of a building fool you or the elegance or the extravagance fool you. There is false doctrine being propagated everywhere. And in spite of that, God is going to have a church. Amen. They might build a cathedral that's 10 miles long, but you know what? There's still going to be a church inside of that city that is going to be standing for truth. And, and, and there's something that we can learn from this, that often it is unity that decides whether or not a church grows. True or false. Whether a church is preaching the truth or not preaching the truth. Some people say, well, people don't want to come to church because the way we live, that's not true. I came to this church. You came to this church. I don't know if you have a low view of yourself, but I don't have a very uh, very low view of myself. I'd love to come to church here. Hallelujah. And so if that's the case, wouldn't you think that there's a lot of people out there that would sure love to be in church? 
We ought to go tell everybody. Hallelujah. But there, they, he's saying that Satan can't cast out Satan. He's not divided against himself. Amen. The devil is regimented. He's got all these different things. And then Jesus begins to bring forth a principle that if Satan were divided against itself, that it's, the kingdom would not stand. Amen. And, and so we learn something there that division is something that brings groups down, people down, houses down, uh, uh, churches down. Amen. It brings families down. Division is defined as separation by difference of opinion, feeling, or interest. Disagreement, dissension, or disunity. There is a principle that can be gained here from the very things that Jesus is saying about the devil not casting out the devil. Uh, it's not time to come to church and try to cast the church out. It's not time to come to church and try to cast your brother out, cast your sister out. Amen. It's not time to have a separation because we have differing opinions, differing feelings, or differing interests. Amen. It's not time, amen, in this hour, right before Jesus appears, for us to get disunified based on disagreements or dissensions or allow disunity to come and to get inside of the church. Romans 16 and 17, we pull that up. We've used this verse quite a bit in the last little bit, but I think this is very good because I, I do believe that unity and disunity are, the, are one of the main determining factors of church growth. And we want our church to grow, amen? Hallelujah. 100% participation on that one. <laughs> We're unified on that. Hallelujah. Romans 16, 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. We've got to make sure that we are, we are marking, not in a negative sense, but if you know somebody that is just looking to cause trouble, cause division, uh, we, we definitely don't need to be associating with those type of individuals. Now, that does not mean that we ignore people. You have questions, and we've talked about this before. Please come see me. I'd love to meet with you. We can have a Bible study. But there are people that they have... Uh, the, the, the spirit of division for no other reason than just to be divisive. They just like dividing people out. And, uh, and this is when you start seeing people like Herod and Pilate coming together. You know, who you're connected to really does show a lot about you. It really does. If you want to know how somebody is or who somebody is, just, just see who they hang around with. And, uh, and somebody said, you are the sum total of the, of the people you hang around with. That's why I love coming to church and hanging out, hanging out with all you. Amen. But, but it is in this that we've got to notice that there's some people that will come together and they will unify based on the wrong things. They will unify based on the fact the Bible says Pilate and Herod, who at one point were contrary one to another, did not like one another. But when it came to crucifying Jesus, they became best friends. You know, there's some people that will unify on their common disinterest or their common hatred of Jesus, of his church, of his people. Hallelujah, I'm preaching real good right now. And we've got to make sure that we understand that there are going to be people like that, but you've got to make it up in your mind, and I've got to make it up in my mind. I don't want to be associated like that. Hallelujah. I know people, I know people that, that when it comes to, I know people that when they were in church hated each other. 
They would not associate with each other, would not hang out with each other. And then they decide to leave the church, and they're partying together. It's, uh, you know, people that rejoice in your destruction are not your friend. Hallelujah. People that rejoice when others fail are not truly your friend. You know, there's people that will party with you, but it will be the church that will bury you. It will be the church that prays for you. It will be the church that, there's people that think, well, the world loves me. The world does not love you. The world is contributing to your demise. Amen. So, there's people that will, that will come together based on common disinterest, and they come together to cause division in other ways. That is not biblical unity. We can look at Genesis chapter 13, and the Bible says that Lot's cattle begin to fight with Abram's cattle, and, and there was so much, there was so much uh, friction between the herdsmen that they decided, you know what, I'm going to go my way and you're going to go your way. What Lot really should have done is he should have said, you know what, Abram, I understand and I've got a revelation that I am blessed with all these cattle, with all these herdsmen, because I'm following a man that is blessed. And I don't have, he should have told those herdsmen, you just stop. And they should have fought for unity. But instead, Lot said, I don't want to be around you. I don't want to be associated with you. And he said, I'm going to go down towards the well-watered plains of Sodom. What is happening there? He's saying, I'm going to choose division over unity. Amen. He was not willing to put aside his own pride. He was not willing to put aside his, uh, his, his own thoughts. Amen. To stay connected to Abram. To stay connected to the church, if you will to stay connected to the man of God, to stay connected to the will and the plan of God. And you know, when people start dividing out and saying, well, I don't really like that, and I don't like this, and I've got different opinions, amen, then, then the things that God's blessing, and they wonder why they end up in Sodom and Gomorrah, and all judgment has fallen, and now they've lost their kids, they've lost their family, and they're trying to figure out why their life is a mess. I'll tell you why it's a mess, because when you should have chosen unity with God, unity with God's people, you said, I don't really care. Amen. When you start removing the foundational things of your life, everything collapses above it. Amen. And, uh, and Lot, your foundation was the man of God. Lot, your foundation was the people of God. Lot, and can I help somebody? Your foundational piece is the church. Your foundational piece is the people of God. And people, they, and I just got to help somebody here tonight. They build their life on that foundational piece, and then they get offended, or they decide that they're disinterested now, and, and maybe they're, they're just kind of thinking, well, I've got a different opinion, or I'm not really interested in that anymore, and they remove themselves, or they remove that foundational piece, and their whole life starts crumbling around them, and they're trying to figure it out. I'll tell you what happened. You should have stayed unified and connected to the body. Somebody lift up your hands, and let's pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. For just a moment, somebody pray. We've got to have unity, not division. Hallelujah. We can't allow disagreements to cause us to become dis, dis, unified. We can't allow disagreements and dissension. Amen. A lack of, of, of feeling or a disinterest. We've got to stay connected one to another. Amen. But then we could talk about unity. Unity is defined as a whole or a totality as combining all of its parts into one. A word that we are uh, familiar with is oneness. The state or the fact of being united or combined into one 
as of the parts of a whole. So unification is happening when we have unity. There is oneness of mind, of feeling, and, and we're going to talk about this here today because division is the antithesis of this, that you can now all of a sudden, don't, you no longer feel it, or uh, now it's, I don't think that way anymore. And for the sake of unity, the, the, that we're going to learn that the Bible is telling us that we've got to come back together and we've got to unify together. Amen. As among a number of persons, there is concord, harmony, or agreement. Another word that's biblical that we're going to talk about is accord. Without deviation or change in purpose, in action, in mind, in feeling, we have become one. Can I tell you what the purpose of God's church is? Oneness. Everybody say oneness. It's not just that we believe God is one, but Jesus' final prayer, amen, one of his final prayers was, Lord, let them become one like we are one. Amen, and we understand that scripture, amen, very well, but, but we don't often want to talk about the personal application, that we have got to become one with one another so we can become connected with God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn over to the book of Psalms chapter uh, 133. And beginning in verse number one, we're going to stay in this chapter for a little bit. A very familiar passage of Scripture for some of us, um, but nonetheless, very important. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment or anointing oil upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment. As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life evermore. In Psalms 133, there is an expression of the blessedness of, of unified fellowship and companionship of pilgrims on their journey to Jerusalem to worship. Few things bring more satisfaction in life than the joy of closeness and genuine unity. There's people that think they're going to find joy in all sorts of other things, but I want to tell you that you just can't find the joy that comes, amen, that we get here in the church and in the people of God with closeness and genuine unity. Unity, the Bible says in, in this text, among brethren is defined as good and pleasant. And I've got to stop here for a moment and to find this out, that, that it's good and pleasant for brethren, the children of God, the people of God, to be in unity. But I want to tell you that it is not good, amen, for others to be in unity. Let me define that out for you. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 11, that they were of one mind, one accord. They were, the whole world was of one speech at the Tower of Babel. And they came together for one purpose. We're going to build a tower to heaven. And they were unified. But can I tell you that that unity was not good? Let me explain why. 
They just got out of a flood in which God destroyed the whole earth. And God's recommendation or the way of salvation is you've got to build an ark. You've got to build a boat. You've got to pitch it within and without. It's got to be this many cubits by that many cubits, this high, that wide. It's got to have one window and one door. There's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's only one way to be saved. Hallelujah. And in all this, they are now saying, we're going to find our own way to heaven. We're going to build our own way to heaven. You'll find this theology all the way back to Cain. When Cain works the ground that was cursed, it was not ground that God had blessed. It was ground that God had cursed. And he was, it was cursed to the point where man would have to work, amen, by the sweat of their brow. It was going to be by their own effort. And that was the offering that Cain brought. It was an offering that was by his own effort and his own work. And he thought, this will please God if I work for it, if I try harder, amen. But that theology can continued all the way into the Tower of Babel that I can get to heaven without God. Can I help you here today? You can't get to heaven without God. I can't get to heaven without God. And they continue this thought process. We will make our own way. We will build our own way. We'll become smarter. We'll become stronger. Whatever we have to do, we'll become wealthier. We will build our tower, and we will get into heaven. Some uh, commentators say that this intent was that they wanted to build a tower to heaven so they could wage war on God that flooded the earth. You know, there's some people, they, they get unified because, again, they want to fight with God. And there are entire different groups that are unified with the express purpose of coming against God and coming against God's church. But we all know how the story ends there. God shows up and goes, no, this ain't good. Can I tell you that, that unity against God is not good? Hallelujah. Unity against God and against God's word is never good. We learned that they, they started building, and I preached about this last year, they started building that tower with bricks. Those bricks were uniform in shape. Amen. But God always demanded that his altars, that his tabernacle, that his temple, that everything was to be made of stones and not bricks. Why? Because God does not want uniformity. God wants unity. Amen. Can I just stop here for a moment and tell you that unity doesn't mean that you have everything the same as everybody else. Unity it does not mean that you fit into this brick of society and this mold, but unity is saying, I'm different than you, but you and I are going to come together for the express purpose to do something for God. Somebody lift up your hands and thank God. Come on, let's lift up our voice and let's magnify him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. You might have some differences of opinion. You might have some different interests. You might have some different life experiences. But God will still use you if you'll come together in unity with your brother. Hallelujah. It's not good when devils come together. It's not good when backslidden people come together in unity against God. It's not good when the world comes in unity against God and against his church. And it's not good when church people come together with other church people in absolute defiance to the Word of God. It's good for men and women of God, children of God, to come into unity, amen, with the express purpose, we're going to live for God. Every time you come to church and you clap your hands and you worship, I want to tell you it's good and it's pleasant. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. Unity is good when it is brethren. 
children of God, that with the express intent and purpose that we're going to come and we are going to worship God together. Unity, the Bible says, is like the anointing oil. It is a blessing. It is a strength. It is joyous. Can I tell you that when unity is in its proper place, it is never going to hurt you. It is going to help you. Unity is not trying to take away your individual, uh, your individual thinking, your, uh, your, just your individuality as a whole. Unity says we can use your individuality. Did you know you have some different gifts that I don't have? You have some abilities that I don't have. And you're sitting next to somebody else that has a personality that you don't have. But the beautiful thing, what makes it good and pleasant, is that people with a difference of opinion, a difference of interest, maybe a difference of thought, still choose to come together in the church. I don't know about you, but there is no other entity on earth quite like the church. We don't come together based on our social status. This isn't a caste system. Well, because I'm a millionaire, I hang out with millionaires. You could be sitting next to somebody, amen, that is a millionaire one day. Man, you could be sitting next to somebody that's broke. Go ahead and praise God if you want to be that millionaire. Hallelujah. But you could also come into church and sit next to somebody that hadn't had something to eat this week. Now, hopefully, the one that's sitting next to the person, they find out that person that had something to eat, they go and get them a meal after church. Hallelujah. Amen. But you, when you come to church, you're going to be sitting next to people that have a different background. They have a different ethnicity, a different skin tone. They might have their first language might be different. Uh, their citizenship may be different, uh, but we, the church doesn't operate on that. I want to tell you the church is not American. The church is not Mexican. The church is not European. I want you to know what the church is. It's the church. <laughs> Hallelujah. And unity in the church, it supersedes all race. It supersedes all cultures. Every language, it doesn't matter where you were born, what family you were born into, what language you speak, is when you come into the church, welcome to the church. Hallelujah. And unity is that anointing oil. The anointing oil is always given in the Bible as something that is, is good. It's a blessing. It's a powerful thing. Unity is a blessing from above. I want you to know that when you unify with your brother and sister in the church with the express purpose to do something for God, I want you to know where that unity started. Unity is not an earthly principle. Unity is a heavenly principle that you have brought down to your reality. When you unify with your brother and sister, amen, I want you to know that unity is a divine principle. When you will unify with people of a different ethnicity, of a different culture, of a different tongue, you are taking, amen, the design of heaven. For those that say, well, I think heaven's going to be a bunch of white people. You're going to be sorely disappointed. Uh, or maybe you might not make it. Hallelujah. But if you think that heaven's only going to be this, that, or the other, you're going to be disappointed. I'll tell you why. Because when we get to heaven, it's going to be every tribe, every kindred. Hallelujah. And that's why as a church, we've got, to, we've got to make sure that we welcome anybody that walks through those back doors. Uh, hallelujah. But in this, unity being a blessing from above, it starts, amen, we can talk about it as being the dew. We're going to talk about that in a minute. We can also talk about it, the anointing oil. You might remember in the Bible when Samuel showed up to anoint the next king. He had a horn of oil. 
and every time he tried to pour it over, amen, another person's head, it stayed. And that's another message for another time. But when he got to David, it initiated above David, and it poured down onto David. God is initiating, and every time there's a move of God, I want you to know that God does not initiate a move of, of his spirit without first initiating, amen, a move of unity. And his releasing of unity this anointing, this dew, it all starts above. It is not, it is an elevated position when you come together in unity. Unity then pours down out of that horn and it gets and it starts on the top of the head. Can I just help real quick for a few moments? That unity starts with leadership. All the leaders said amen. If you want to be a leader, say amen. Hallelujah. If you feel like you're a leader, say amen. Uh, unity is something that if it's ever going to get into the culture, it's got to start at the top. Unity has got to start at the top. Somebody said amen. It starts with leadership. Can I just talk to all of our leaders? Amen. Whether you're in charge of a department or you're just a leader in the church, amen, uh, or you're leading in worship or you're leading in, in any capacity in the church, if you, if you have an opportunity to cause division or to bring about unity, Please, for the sake of the rest of the body, always, always, always choose unity. Somebody lift up your hands and magnify Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. If, if the leadership does not get the concept of unity and, and does not understand the concept of, of unity, then that, then that flow of God's spirit will, 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 will eventually miss and now we will not have a church body. We will have schisms in the body, disconnections in the body. Amen. Unity starts at the top, but then the Bible says that it flows downward. It flows from the head to the beard down to the clothing and the garments of Aaron. It's using the example of when Aaron the priest was anointed. Amen. And, and the anointing starts at the top and it flows its way downward. If church leadership cannot come together in unity, the body is going to miss out on the anointing and the blessing of unity. There's going to there's gonna be a huge disconnect in the blessing and favor of God. And for the sake of the rest of the body being blessed, we have got to make sure that we stay in alignment. Because unity will flow downward. And this is why you might be a department head in the church. And I've got a pastor for just a moment. Don't, don't find reasons to fight with people underneath you. People underneath you are going to disappoint you. Don't find reasons to fight with people that are other department heads and get in fights and little bickering because ultimately what it's going to do, it's going to affect the culture of the rest of the church. Somebody said hallelujah. Hey, glory. And, 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 and I'm sure we've all, we've all probably experienced this or at least seen this. Uh, churches that implode on themselves because leaders can't get together. They start fighting because, well, you know, and really what happens, we get, so, we get so disconnected from the purpose and the mission of God, we start cannibalizing one another. Hallelujah. And that's not the will of God at all. Uh, I want you to know, it is not the will of God to bite and devour one another. We've got to make sure that we are, we are uplifting one another. We are loving one another. Hallelujah. So unity flows from the top, and it flows downward. But unity flows progressively through connectivity and alignment. So as leaders have to be in alignment with what is being poured out. 
If you ever want to know, well, God, I don't feel like my life's very blessed. I, you know, I'm struggling with this, that, and the other. It could be that you're out of alignment. And God is pouring out blessing, and God is pouring out favor. And, and often all we got to do is readjust, and we got to get under that flow. Hallelujah. God, if you are blessing, amen, in any capacity, I want to be, be right there underneath the blessing. I want to be right there. Hallelujah. But not just for the head to get on underneath, underneath that flow of anointing, but all of the rest of the body has got to come and get underneath the head. There's got to be, amen, connectivity. You can't be disconnected. I know people, uh, and, and I read something the other day that people get disconnected from the church. They get disconnected from one another, and then they start saying, well, the church doesn't like me. <laughs> that, is, that is the oldest trick in the, in the, in the book. Hallelujah. But, but it's, it's they got disconnected, and then they start blaming everybody else for why they feel disconnected. If you don't feel connected, it's nobody's fault. Amen. Let's not blame anybody. Let's just get right back in alignment. Get connected. Oh, hallelujah. I'm, I'm teaching real good. I'll download the podcast myself. Hallelujah. But in this, we've got to get connected. And if you at any moment are feeling disconnected, you're not feeling the flow, you're not feeling the blessing, you come to church and you feel bored, uh, it's not the church's fault that you feel bored. It's not anybody else's fault. We're going to get rid of the blame game altogether, and we're going to say, God, is there any area that I'm not connected? <laughs> Often people will get disconnected. And I, I'm off on a bunch of tangents, but we might as well. People get disconnected. They haven't been praying all week, and they come to church and say, I don't feel God. But they'll binge on Hulu. Netflix and they'll binge on their cell phone and then they wonder why they can't feel the presence of God and they'll say well you know church just ain't like it used to be I tell you church has never gotten amen it's never gotten dull it's never gotten boring what's happened is we got out of the flow of what God was doing What's really happened is we sidestepped what God was doing and started working over here, and now the flow of God is still moving, and that's why everybody else is coming to church like we had on Sunday, and they're getting blessed, and they, they feel the presence of God. And there's other people that just chewing gum and just with their arms folded. I want you to know that if you ever feel dissatisfied in church, it's time to get your connection back. Amen. It's time to get connected. It's time to get in alignment and say, God, is there anything? Some people think that you repent once and it's done. No, you, there's, it's a daily thing. We've got we've to repent. Repent's not just, God, forgive me so I can go to heaven and not be lost. No, repentance, God, uh, it's a change of directions. The word is metanoia. It's a change of mind. And often our mind gets all messed up. And God comes by in a service like he did on Sunday. And all God is doing is readjusting. He's just recalibrating our brain. And so when you come into that flow, you can experience it, you can encounter it. Why? Because that repentance, that change of mind, that change of thought process, now you are connected, now you are in alignment, and that unity is now flowing. It, it, it doesn't, you know, people feel disconnected, they don't feel unified. Uh, when they get out of alignment, they get out of connectivity, and church loses its flavor and its savor. Uh, but if they ever get to that place of repentance, all of a sudden, they're going to think, man, church just got good all of a sudden. My, I promise you, if you just get in alignment and get connected, uh, you might think I'm a better preacher. Hallelujah. Maybe I won't be. That's all right. But church may not be boring. Hallelujah. I want you to know I'm, I'm not bored at church. If you're bored at church, you're out of alignment. You're missing it. 
because this whole thing started in the hand of God and he's pouring it out and everything God's pouring out, we've got to get right under that flow and say, God, pour it on me. It is the responsibility of the rest of the body to stay in alignment. It's not the pastor's job. It's not the leadership's job. It's not the Sunday school's job. <laughs> it's not that department's job. It's not your parents' job. It's not your family's job. It's not, it's not this, that, or the other. It's nobody's job but your own to make sure you stay in alignment. Amen. He then said unity is like dew. Dew is moisture. It's a gas that becomes a liquid when it hits what they call the dew point. Dew serves much like rain. It waters. It moisturizes. It brings life to even the driest places. Dew will go where rain cannot. Even in the darkest places, dew will appear and bring life. Unity is the dew of life. It brings daily moisturizing. It brings it brings forth life on a daily basis. Rain might come and go, but dew will show up every single day. I know people that they only feel God when they come in and there's a powerful service. I want you to know God's power is never diminished on a Wednesday or a Sunday or a Monday prayer meeting. or a God's power... So what, this is my question, what makes one service, quote-unquote, more powerful than the other? Often it's the way we came into that service. It's the expectation that we put, God, you got to do something. It's the anticipation, it's the excitement. If you come to church with the idea of, man, I just got to get through this. I'm just holding on until Jesus comes. Bro, just go, just go home and do something else because you're not going to enjoy service anyways. But if you come with that unified, because I want to tell you, let me tell you how I come to church. Ready? Let's unify together. When I come to church, I, I say, man, this is the day the Lord has made. I will be glad. I will rejoice in it. God, I don't know exactly what you're going to do today, but I'm anticipating you're going to do something. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I don't know exactly know what's going to happen. I just know something's going to happen. God, who are you going to fill with the Holy Ghost? Jesus, are you going to baptize somebody in your name? Is somebody going to hit their knees and repent and all of heaven is going to rejoice? I don't. Jesus, are you going to heal somebody's body? Are you going to change somebody's mind? Is somebody going to make a decision that they're going to live for God and stop running from God? I just want to know. It could be a Wednesday night Bible study, and it doesn't seem like much is happening to you. But I came in thinking, God, what could you do if we get the spirit of unity? Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. And if we all came to church with that mentality, I'm telling you, all of a sudden we start seeing, it's not, Jesus would often come to places and he would want to perform miracles, but he could not do any mighty miracle there because they knew him. In other words, there was no faith for him to do anything. They thought they'd seen it all. They thought they'd experienced it all. But I've come to tell you, you've not yet experienced the greatest move of God. I haven't experienced the greatest service I've ever experienced. We've not seen our greatest revival. We've got to keep coming. But in this, there are those moments of rain. I, I have to admit, there are times when it feels like God's Spirit just rains down. 
and rain comes and goes. You ever been in a dry season of your life? We all have. Amen. And I would tell you, it's not God choosing not to rain down on you. Often it's our own decisions, our own activities that are saying, you know what? The, I don't want to be in the rain right now. We get out our spiritual, or should I say, our carnal umbrellas. And God's raining and you just don't feel like it that Sunday. Amen. Rain will come and go. And sometimes, if we were to just put it this way, sometimes when we all come together and uh, we come to church, it's like rain. And it pours down and it's, a, it's just... It's just flowing down on us. But, and, and there's this part of, 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 of doing these extreme things or feeling these extreme moves of God when we're praying, when we're fasting, when we're doing some things that are, uh, you know, I, I remember going through seasons like this. Of I, I could call them uh, the monsoon season of my spiritual life where I'd go through and I'd memorize chapters and books of the Bible and commit them to memory. And I'd, I'd, I'd haul up in my room and I'd pray and I'd fast and I'd, I'd just get hungry. Hallelujah. But I remember those moments and, and they were great mountain peaks. But those are not always what sustained me. Because as soon as I got off that mountain peak, I came right back down to the valley. I got around with everybody else, and I started living the real life. I had to get up, go to work, pay bills, and, and all these other things. But the Bible says unity is like dew on the mountaintop. You can feel good by praying, fasting, doing extreme spiritual things. But it is the daily dew of unity with your brethren, with your church, that keeps us often from getting dried out spiritually. Amen. He said unity is like the dew that starts on the mountain. And it still progresses downward. It still, it still flows downward. Amen. But it starts right there at the top. Can I tell you, if you, if you want to be, if you want to, if you want to make sure you never get dried out, you've got to put unity at the top of your life. You've got to put unity at the top of your list. Lift up your hands and let's magnify him for just a few moments. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, for just a moment, I'm, I'm, I'm just about done right here. Come on, it's like dew. You might have great moves of God, and that's awesome, but it's going to be that day in, day out, week in, week out, fellowship with your brother, fellowship with your sister. It's going to moisturize your life. It's going to keep you hydrated. It's going to keep you blessed. It's going to keep you favored. It's going to keep things flowing in your life. Hallelujah. Acts 2, chapter 1. I'm sorry, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord, unity, in one place. And whenever you have unity for the express purpose, they came together to pray that they would receive the promise of the Father. They came to church with the anticipation God's going to do something and we're going to pray until God does it. And when people come together for that reason, it is a recipe for revival. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Can I tell you the church did not start, amen, with a bunch of people that were disinterested. The church did not start with people that were just kind of bored and just chewing gum with their arms folded. But it started with people that came together in unity. I want to tell you, church, we've got to come with the express purpose. We are going to be in unity with the express purpose of seeing everything God promised us come to pass. Somebody clap your hands. 
every move of God, every move of God will be preceded by unity. If there is not unity, there will be no move of God. If there is no, if there is no unity, there will be no church growth. It will be us four and no more. And eventually you'll look at your neighbor and say, I don't even think you're saved. Amen. I was down. I was blessed uh, a little while ago. I was able to go down to Azusa Street Revival uh, and, uh, and, and see uh, Brother Wilmoth was doing a tour. And uh, we got to see all of the place at the Azusa Street Revival. It was like a little building. I mean, we, our building would dwarf what they had at the Azusa Street Revival, the one we all talk about and know about. And, uh, and they would come. And they would get the Holy Ghost. They would, they would just buy the droves. They'd be getting revelations. I mean, things would be happening. People would be getting healed. Wheelchairs would be getting thrown out. And you just name it. The miracle was happening. And, uh, and somebody asked the question, Brother Wilmoth, what stopped the Azusa Street Revival? You know what, they, you know what he told us? Uh, people started arguing. People started bickering and complaining. Because one group wanted a piano brought in, and they wanted it put over here. And another one wanted the piano brought in and put over here. And there was another group that didn't want a piano at all. One of the greatest revivals in our recent history was stopped. You know, it only lasted about three years. We're talking about tens of thousands of people receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost in a building that's way smaller than this. And tens of thousands of people. They, 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 this is where the term holy roller came from, from the Bonnie Bray house. They, they literally was on a slope, and they would roll down the hill as they felt the presence of God. And, 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 and so this great, mighty move of God was stopped because people got out of unity. Can I tell you, when we come to church without the intent of having unity, God's presence says, okay, I'm not moving on that. And, and, and I, want you to, I want you to agree with me together here tonight that we're going to keep unity because I don't want a revival that's just great for for a moment and then it goes away a couple years from now but I want to see people all across this area amen baptized in Jesus name filled with the Holy Ghost I want to see blinded eyes open I want to see deaf ears unlocked I want to see people amen that are dead in their trespasses and sins baptized come on do you want to see that with me can we agree together whatever it takes we've got to be unified whatever it takes somebody stand across the building and clap your hands whatever it takes unity at any cost we're going to be a united church a united kingdom for God somebody clap your hands and give God praise come on lift up your lift up your hands and let's pray for just a moment I don't want any I don't want any bickering any fighting to stop the move of God that you want to provide Lord I don't want to stop I don't want I don't want a disagreement I don't want any, any anything else God that's in my heart or in my spirit to stop a move of God I want to be unified in your church I want to be unified with my brothers unified with my sisters to see everything that God wants to see come to pass in Jesus name We've got to look for every reason to keep unity. Well, I don't like that person. Can you be unified with them anyways? Well, they don't shake my hand. We've said this before. It's a great example. Get over it. Go find a visitor and shake their hand. They'd love to. Fist bump because it's flu season. Hallelujah. But we've got to look for every opportunity to be in unity. And, and, and it's, well, Pastor, why do you keep talking about something? Because 
This is a determiner of whether or not we're going to have a move of God. We've got to come unified with, with, with purpose and with intent. What is our purpose? You know, and, 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 it, it, and down the road, I'll, I'll do my best to, to make the vision very plain. But I, I'll tell you what our purpose is. Right there on the sign out there. Pursue God. We're going to build up. We're going to build a church that is solely looking to run after Jesus. Wow. Man, you guys are, you guys are crazy and exuberant when you worship. You know why? Because we want to run after Jesus. Wow, you guys really, really read your Bibles because I want to know more about Jesus. You guys really put a stock in prayer. Why? Because I want to be with Jesus. You guys put a stock in all sorts of things. Why? Because I want to be closer to Jesus. But also, we are apostolic, not just in doctrine, but we are revival. We've got to win people. Can we unify on that, that and agree? We want revival. But part of revival means we're going to have to build people up. You're going to have to give people a little mercy because they're going to walk in, not look like you. They're not going to have everything together. Their life is going to be a mess. But we are agreeing together, no matter God, no matter how filthy they show up. Doesn't matter what they're addicted to. Doesn't matter what, what they've done in their life. They could, be on, they could be out on bail for murder, God. Hallelujah. We're going to love them. I'm going to watch them real closely, but we're going to love them. And, and we're going to do everything we can to pick them up out of the mire and build them up. And we are going to stay connected. We're going to stay connected to one another, and we're going to stay connected with Jesus. Somebody lift up your hands, and let's pray. Come on, lift up your voice. God, we're going to run after you with everything we have. God, we're going we're gonna to work together. But Lord, in all of that, we're going to stay connected. We're going to stay unified. Because God, if we don't stay unified, if we don't stay connected, this revival will be short-lived. This revival will be short-lived. But God, we're going to do everything we can. We're going to set aside our differences. We're going to set aside our ideologies and our opinions. Whatever we got to do to see revival, God, to see those that are dead in trespasses and sins be brought into this church. People that are lost and undone being found by the grace of Jesus. Whatever it takes, God, we're going to be unified with that express purpose. I want to open up this altar. Would you come and pray? Come on, there's going to be some times where you're going to want to get disconnected, but you got to understand it's that alignment, that connectivity that is keeping the flow going down to the person underneath me, the person next to me. I've got to stay connected for the simple sake a revival is worth it. Revival is worth it. The presence of God in our church is worth it. The glory we feel every service is worth it. I might not like this. I might not like that. I might not like that song or this song. I might not like that preaching or this preaching. I might not like this activity or that activity. But I'm going to stay unified because I want to see revival. Come on, somebody pray. God, keep us connected. 
God, keep us connected for your cause, for your sake, for your revival. somebody pray if you feel like you've been disconnected or out of alignment of the unity of the body I want to encourage you today to just pray God realign me God redirect me reconnect me God God answers prayers when people are connected.